Good morning, Alex and friends. Today is Saturday, June 17th, 2023, and you're listening to Alex's News. Today, we have a jam-packed episode of Alex's News. But first, let's talk about the weather. In Riverside, we're looking at a scorching hot day with a high of 88.8 degrees and a low of 85.8. So make sure to stay hydrated and cool. Moving on to our top stories, we have a bombshell revelation from a DOJ investigation into the Minneapolis Police Department. The probe has uncovered systemic misconduct and discrimination within the department, raising serious questions about reform and accountability. In the political arena, tensions are rising as Republicans push for deeper spending cuts. This has led to warnings of a potential government shutdown, causing concern for essential services and the functioning of our government. Overseas, we're focusing on the ongoing war between Russia and Ukraine. Russia seems to be adapting its battlefield tactics, signaling a changing approach. We'll explore what this means for the conflict and its potential impact on the geopolitical landscape. And on a more uplifting note, we have a remarkable story of resilience from Colombia. Indigenous children have miraculously survived a harrowing 40-day ordeal after a plane crash in the jungle. Their survival sheds light on the challenges faced by indigenous communities and highlights their remarkable strength. So stay tuned for all these stories and more on today's episode of Alex's News. Welcome back to our morning news program. Our top story today revolves around the Department of Justice's release of its civil rights investigation into the Minneapolis Police Department. This investigation was prompted by the killing of George Floyd and has revealed significant allegations of misconduct and systemic problems within the department. Joining us to discuss the key findings of this report is our news reporter, Antoni. Good morning, Antoni. Good morning, Connie. Antoni, could you give us a detailed analysis of the key elements or incidents mentioned in this report? Certainly, Connie. The investigation conducted by the Department of Justice highlighted seven key findings regarding the Minneapolis Police Department. Firstly, it found that officers frequently use excessive and unconstitutional force, even when it's unnecessary. This includes incidents of deadly force and a lack of meaningful de-escalation tactics. The report emphasizes the need for officers to exercise restraint and evaluate the use of force more critically. That's disturbing to hear, Antoni. What else did the investigation uncover? Well, Connie, secondly, the report revealed racially discriminatory policing practices. The police department was found to disproportionately target black and Native American individuals. This discrimination was evident in how officers conducted stops, patrolled neighborhoods, and used force. Addressing this issue is crucial to ensuring fair treatment for all citizens. That's certainly a significant concern. Were there any other problematic areas identified by the investigation? Indeed, Connie. The report also highlighted a failure to document race after George Floyd's killing. The police force stopped reporting race and gender in a significant number of stops, despite being required to do so. This lack of data documentation persisted for two years, raising concerns about transparency and accountability within the department. 
That's quite alarming. What about the behavior and discipline of police officers? The investigation revealed instances of discriminatory statements and acts by police officers and supervisors. These biased behaviors were often improperly addressed or disciplined only after public outrage. This raises questions about the effectiveness of the disciplinary measures in place and the commitment to ensuring fair and unbiased policing. It seems that the investigation also reviewed police shootings. What did they find? Absolutely, Connie. The report scrutinized 19 police shootings and determined that a high number of them were unconstitutional. Officers were found to have shot at individuals without adequately determining if there was an immediate threat. In some cases, shots were fired without considering the risk to others in the vicinity. This raises concerns about the proper use of deadly force by Minneapolis police officers. That's deeply troubling. Did the report mention anything about the use of neck restraints? Yes, Connie. The investigation identified numerous cases where Minneapolis police officers used neck restraints unreasonably. These restraints were used on individuals who did not pose a threat or were accused of low-level offenses. It's concerning that such practices persisted despite the ban imposed after George Floyd's killing. Thank you for providing us with such a comprehensive analysis, Antoni. Was there anything else in the report that stood out? Certainly, Connie. The report also criticized the poor accountability and oversight system within the Minneapolis Police Department. Serious allegations of misconduct were mischaracterized or ignored, resulting in insufficient consequences for those responsible. Complaints often went unexamined for long periods, investigations were delayed, and important procedural steps were skipped. These issues indicate a systemic problem that needs to be addressed urgently. Thank you, Antoni, for shedding light on the findings of this report. It's evident that the investigation has exposed deep-rooted systemic issues within the Minneapolis Police Department. Before we move on, do you have any final thoughts on the matter? Yes, Connie. The DOJ report has called for nearly 30 remedial measures and improvements to combat the identified problems. The city and the DOJ have entered an agreement in principle to implement these recommendations and establish an independent monitor of the department. This is seen as a critical step towards addressing the issues highlighted. President Joe Biden has also expressed concern over these findings and called on Congress to pass reforms to address racial discrimination and increase public trust in the criminal justice system. Thank you, Antoni, for joining us and providing us with such an insightful analysis. We appreciate your expertise in breaking down this important news. Welcome back to our morning news podcast. We have an important story to discuss today concerning the rising warnings of a possible government shutdown as Republicans seek deeper cuts in the ongoing budget battle. To shed light on this situation, we have our news reporter Ellie with us. Ellie, could you please give us an overview of what's happening? Absolutely, Connie. So, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy and GOP leadership have recently announced their plans to pursue appropriations bills with reduced spending compared to what was previously agreed upon with the White House. This move has pleased Republicans who are critical of the debt ceiling legislation. However, Democrats are pushing back, fearing a potential government shutdown when funding expires in the fall. These hearings seem to be quite tense, Ellie. Can you elaborate on the interactions between the two parties and the concerns being raised? Certainly, Connie. During the hearings, it has been evident that tensions run high between the two parties. Democrats have accused House Republicans of going back on their word 
and trying to circumvent the agreed top-line numbers of the debt ceiling agreement. This has raised legitimate concerns about the possibility of a government stoppage, putting us on the brink of another round of political brinkmanship in Washington. Additionally, it further strains the already delicate relationship between Republicans and Democrats. It sounds like there's a division within the Republican Party itself. How are different lawmakers responding to the pursuit of deeper spending cuts? That's correct, Connie. While some Republican lawmakers support the deeper spending cuts, arguing that the country is facing a debt crisis and it's necessary to reduce spending, not all senators agree. Democrats and some senators from both parties don't share the same level of concern about the potential consequences of a government shutdown. They believe that the issues surrounding the budget battle and spending cuts can be resolved without resorting to such drastic measures. Speaker Kevin McCarthy seems to be facing challenges in trying to appease Republican hardliners while also ensuring the government keeps running. Can you give us more details on the conflicts arising from this pursuit of deeper spending cuts? Absolutely, Connie. Speaker Kevin McCarthy's attempt to find common ground and move the House forward has been met with resistance from Democrats who are concerned about passing legislation to keep the government running. The pursuit of deeper spending cuts by Republicans, especially the hardliners, has created more tension between the two parties. This tension, in turn, raises the possibility of another harmful government shutdown. It's definitely a complicated situation. Thank you, Ellie, for providing such detailed insights into this ongoing budget battle and the warnings of a potential government shutdown. We appreciate your expertise. Thank you, Connie. It was my pleasure to bring our listeners up to speed on this important issue. Welcome back to our morning news podcast, and we're here with our reporter Arnold to discuss the latest developments in the ongoing war between Russia and Ukraine. Arnold, can you bring us up to speed on the current situation? Absolutely, Connie. According to an article in the New York Times, Russia has shifted its battlefield tactics in the war with Ukraine after learning from its costly mistakes. The Russian military has made improvements in discipline, coordination, and air support, indicating a changing approach to the conflict. Interesting. Can you elaborate on the key elements or incidents mentioned in the article? Certainly. Rather than relying solely on sheer firepower, Russia has now adopted more patient and disciplined operations. They're using drones and probing attacks to identify Ukrainian trenches before launching strikes. This approach has allowed them to make gains in areas like Bakhmut. Additionally, the Wagner Group, a Russian mercenary group, has demonstrated improved tactics and disposable ranks, which has enabled them to outpace Ukrainian defenders. That's quite a shift in strategy. How has Ukraine responded to these changes? Ukraine, on the other hand, has strengthened its position with improved communication technology and weaponry acquired from the United States and Europe. This has given them an advantage in terms of firepower and coordination. However, Russia has also bolstered its defenses, improved artillery coordination, and enhanced its air support, making them a tougher opponent. It seems like both sides are stepping up their game. Are there any other factors or peculiarities that we should consider? Absolutely, Connie. Russian troops have adapted to a defensive strategy, playing to their battlefield strengths. They have been using effective defensive positions, air defenses, as well as disrupting communication through radio jamming and drone interception. This change in tactics has been observed from both drone surveillance and reports from Ukrainian soldiers who have witnessed the shift in approach. That's fascinating. However, does the article mention any weaknesses or challenges Russia may face despite their improvements? Yes, Connie. 
While Russia has made these adjustments, it's important to note that, overall, their troops are not necessarily growing more sophisticated. The article highlights that many experienced soldiers died early in the war, and less experienced forces are struggling to conduct offensive operations. So there are still some challenges for them to overcome. Thank you for sharing that insight, Arnold. Given the current situation, what are the potential implications or consequences of these shifting tactics? It's difficult to say for certain, Connie. However, the article emphasizes that these changes in tactics signal a significant development in the conflict. The ultimate outcome of the war and Ukraine's ability to overcome the Russian defenses remains uncertain. Both sides are locked in a tense battle with evolving strategies, and it's a situation that demands close attention. Absolutely. Before we wrap up, is there anything else we should know regarding this article? Yes, Connie. It's worth noting that the article solely focuses on the topic of Russia's shifting battlefield tactics in the war with Ukraine. It doesn't include unrelated information or side stories. However, the article does draw a parallel between Russia's adjustments and Iraq's shifts in tactics during the fight against ISIS, highlighting the significance of learning from costly mistakes. Furthermore, it mentions Blinken, a politician who criticized Putin's battlefield tactics as barbaric which shows the international interest and controversy surrounding the conflict. Thank you, Arnold, for breaking down this complex and evolving situation for us. We appreciate your insights. You're welcome, Connie. My pleasure to be here. And now, turning to an incredible survival story that emerged from the depths of the Colombian jungle. Joining us today to share the details is our talented reporter, Jenna. Jenna, what can you tell us about this remarkable incident? Well, Connie, in June of 2023, the world witnessed an astounding tale of survival as four indigenous children managed to endure 40 days in the Colombian jungle following a devastating plane crash. These children, aged 13, 9, 4, and 11 months, belonged to the Huitoto indigenous group, and their upbringing had prepared them well for the challenges of the rainforest. They had inherited profound knowledge from their parents and grandparents, which proved crucial in their ability to brave the wilderness. That's truly remarkable, Jenna. Can you tell us more about how these courageous children managed to make it through such a grueling ordeal? Absolutely, Connie. Led by the eldest sibling, a 13-year-old girl named Leslie, these children showcased incredible resilience and resourcefulness during their time in the jungle. They were able to find food, water, and shelter while waiting for rescue. Their extensive knowledge of the land allowed them to consume local fruits and seeds to sustain themselves. Additionally, they were fortunate enough to come across a box of food airdropped by the military, providing them with much-needed sustenance. It's truly awe-inspiring to hear about their resilience, Jenna. Now, can you shed some light on the search and rescue operation that led to their eventual discovery? Of course, Connie. The search and rescue operation involved Colombian special forces and indigenous guides who combined modern technology with traditional knowledge. Interestingly, the indigenous guides relied on their ancestral wisdom and ceremonies to navigate the dense jungle and locate the children. Their expertise and familiarity with the environment proved crucial in narrowing down the search area. That's incredible teamwork and collaboration, Jenna. Now, after five weeks of searching, I understand the children were finally found. What condition were they in? Remarkably, Connie, despite enduring significant challenges such as dehydration and malnutrition, the children were remarkably in overall good health. 
Rescuers immediately provided them with the necessary medical attention to address any physical and emotional trauma they might have experienced during their time in the jungle. That's such a relief to hear, Jenna. Now, where are the children currently and what can we expect for their future? The children are currently being cared for at a hospital in Bogota, where they're recovering from their harrowing ordeal. A dedicated medical team is providing them with the care they need, addressing any physical and emotional trauma they may have experienced. Moving forward, the children will continue to receive ongoing support and assistance as they reintegrate into society and overcome the psychological impacts of their journey. Thank you, Jenna, for sharing the uplifting details of this incredible survival story. It truly captures the world's attention and highlights the strength and perseverance of indigenous communities. Is there anything else you believe our viewers should be aware of? Absolutely, Connie. This survival story not only showcases the resilience of these young indigenous children, but also emphasizes the importance of preserving indigenous cultures and supporting their communities. It is a testament to their deep connection with the natural world and sheds light on the ongoing challenges faced by these communities, such as displacement and violence. Thank you, Jenna, for your in-depth reporting and for reminding us of the pressing issues faced by indigenous communities. We truly appreciate your insights and the hopeful tone of this segment. That's all we have for now. Today's episode was made with ChatGPT, Eleven Labs, and a program written by you. I hope you have a great day. I'll see you tomorrow, Alex.